Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, Kira O'Donovan, tillage advisor Chagas in Knock Griffin, Middleton, has details of some very important upcoming events. Also, specialist chip potato growers in the Blackwater area. Farm apprenticeship programs now open for application, but very slow response so far from younger people. Senator Tim Lombard talks about the impossible derogation situation now facing Irish farmers, creating enormous uncertainty. Also ploughing results and details from the Macronaferma Carberry region. But our first detailed report, Dairy Gold, our sponsor, finalises cereal prices for the 2023 harvest. The Dairy Gold Board, at its meeting on 3rd of October 2023, agreed the 2023 harvest cereal prices. After a long campaign, this year's harvest is now finally complete, following one of the most challenging seasons in recent years. It's a testament to Dairy Gold growers that they managed to complete the fieldwork during very challenging conditions and deliver cereals to satisfactory quality standards. The report from Dairy Gold goes on. Globally, grain market prices have fallen in 2023 based on the global supply and demand balancing realigning. Dairy Gold, in line with its ethos, has again demonstrated its support and commitment to its cereal growers in 2023 by paying strong prices at harvest. 2023 has also seen a high level of supply of beans, which was underpinned by Dairy Gold offering a minimum contract price earlier in the year. Dairy Gold continues to be firmly committed to maximising the use of native Irish cereals right across its range of feeds and continues to explore opportunities to include more native grains in formulations. It also seeks out value-add markets to deliver greater returns to dairy gold growers. Both these initiatives offer security for the longer-term sustainability of the tillage sector. Dairy Gold's agribusiness general manager, Mr. Liam O'Flaherty, said that, quote, overall the 2023 harvest was completed under challenging conditions and great credit is due to all our growers who delivered quality grain to Dairy Gold. Quality Irish cereals are a key component of our feed rations, and Dairy Gold will always aim to pay a competitive price for our members' grain. End of quote there from Dairy Gold's agribusiness general manager, Mr. Limo Flaherty. Commenting on the 2023 grain prices, Dairy Gold's chairman, Mr. Sean O'Brien, said, quote, as a 100% farmer-owned cooperative, tillage growers are a very important part of Dairy Gold's business, and we remain committed to supporting and developing this sector of our business into the future. The final prices are as follows. Dairy Gold 2023 cereal prices per tonne. The first price is excluding VAT, and the second inclusive of VAT, and the third comment moisture. Barley... 200 euro excluding VAT, 210 inclusive of VAT at 5%, moisture at 20%. Wheat, 210 euro excluding VAT, 220 euro 50 cents inclusive of VAT at 5%, and moisture at 20%. 
oats, excluding VAT, €195, Euro, inclusive of VAT at 5%, €204.75. Again, moisture, 20%. Contract malting barley, excluding VAT, €290. Euro. Inclusive of VAT at 5%, €304.50. Again, moisture, 20%. Beans, excluding VAT, €285. Inclusive of VAT at 5%, €299.25. And moisture, 20%. Non, non-contract beans, excluding VAT, €255. Inclusive of VAT at 5%, €267.75. Moisture, 20%. Oilseed rape, excluding VAT, €410. Inclusive of VAT at 5%, €430.50. Moisture this time, only 9%. Quality adjustments as per serial purchasing terms and conditions. Prices quoted are inclusive of premium based on minimum purchase terms. And those were the dairy gold cereal prices as finalised for the 2023 harvest on Tuesday 3rd of October 2023. Next in our programme, Senator Tim Lombard's comments are quoted in this week's Irish Farmers Journal in an article entitled Impossible Derogation Criteria Must Change, quoting the words of the Fine Gael Senator. Senator Lombard joins us. Tim, welcome to the programme. I understand you have a special responsibility for agriculture. Yeah, I'm the Fine Gael spokesperson for agriculture, food and marine, uh, not just for the Shannon, but for the entire parliamentary party. So um, I'm at that now, maybe watched the last maybe three or four months. And I'm also vice chairman of the Joint Rockets Committee in Agriculture, Food and Marine. So you are certainly in a position to comment very mm. authoritatively on this derogation situation. Now, you're quoted in this week's edition of the Irish Farmers Journal, page 25 news, impossible derogation criteria must change. Tim, what do you believe is necessary for our Minister for Agriculture and the government to do to influence the European Commission's amended nitrates limits to be put into effect in 2024, just a few months away? Yeah, look, it's a very serious um, issue for the economic future of our agricultural industry, in particular dairy sites of the world. Um, look, the proposal to reduce the nitrogen limits down from 250 down to 220 will have a huge issue on the areas that are affected. During the week, um, there was a new map uh, published. It was the red and white map. Now it's gone to a different colour. And there's been changes to the area. And I think they are quite significant in those locations that are affected. So we have a quarter of farmers that are deeply affected by this issue of being changed from the nitrogen limit from 250 down to 220. So what we need to do here is to make sure that the criteria that the departments have agreed with the European Commission can be amended. Because at the moment, we have huge issues regarding um, the issue of how the department agreed 18 months ago to have the testing taking place and the neutropium element of it is a big issue. So in other words, stocking rate isn't the key, nitrate levels isn't the key. Other factors could play an impact in whether or not you actually clarify or get your actual water quality. And I use in the, in the department to journal the analogy of the Midlands. Um, places like Leitrim, where there's one derogation farmer and 3,000 bovine, and you have a scenario that the entire area is considered to be red in the map. Same in Longford, same in Westmead, all those parts of the world. Literally, there's not a thousand, or sorry, there's not a hundred dairy farmers up there 
in derogation and that entire track of countries out because the issue of how they actually calculated their nitrates in the water and that neutropian element is the big issue and I think what we need to do here is take another look at what we agreed with the European Union and I think there's been conversations this week with the European Union that came to Timely Catchment which was really positive we're still waiting on the Commissioner to come and I think that's really important that the Commissioner which in charge of the environmental directive comes to the, you know, to the catchment and sees exactly what happens down there. So that's a really good case study to show what happens when you have good, active, proactive farming in middle location. But this is about making sure that the criteria is manageable. I don't believe it is manageable at the moment. I firmly believe Ireland will never pass this proposed um, regulation because it is too steep. Um, like soil quality, like runoff, can all throw these, these tests. And I'll give you an example. Like forestry in a certain part of Ireland will make sure that we'll never pass if we have no bovine on the actual land in those counties. The runoff from the forestry plantations would be enough to throw out the actual measurement plant. So there's a body of work to be done there to make sure that when they go into this new process, that we have a fair and equitable system to make sure we can actually pass. Is there still time for an element of pragmatism? I know in some cases pragmatism can solve some extremely difficult problems. Uh, following the visits to Timidig, do you feel that the European Commission might just detect this new element, this new factor, which would allow far more cork farmers to stay with their 250 kg derogation? Well, my, uh, my engagement to the Commission, which is about three or four weeks ago, uh, we had several meetings over the European Union in Brussels. We, we came up with really hard-nosed officials regarding the issue of water quality and all these other issues regarding the testing regime. But the one issue they were very, very uncomfortable with was the issue of having heavy pregnant cows slaughtered because of the actual derogation. And our argument was quite clear. The map was published on the 1st of July most farmers stopped breeding um, programs around the 20th of June. They had no insight on what the map was going to do, which side line they were going to be. And because of that, I think the European Union have a duty of responsibility. They would have spoken to us about calf trade and how it has to change. I think there is an obligation on the European Commission in particular to look at this now, because they have given farmers no time, no time to actually adjust their systems to make sure that they can have an appropriate system for the spring. And I think if we're to have a debate with the Commission, it's about that issue. Like, 1st of July is when they published the red and white map. The majority of farmers finished breeding by then. Their actual plan for next year was already set out because of the breeding program they had, they had adopted. And now they're stuck in a scenario that if they're in the red area, they have to restock by anything up to 15%. So I just think there's a real body of work to be done there with the, go- with the government and with the committee to make sure the commission understand that. But time is the most important thing here. I think we need to make that case in the next few days and weeks so farmers can then plan because otherwise we're just selling false hope. Thank you very much indeed, Fine Gael Senator Tim Lombard, also Vice Chair 
of the Oireachtas Agricultural Committee. Thank you, Jim, very much indeed. And best of luck with your efforts because, uh, you know, so much is dependent on this. And as you've said there in your article, which was quoted in the Irish Farmers Journal on Saturday, 7th of October, there is an animal welfare aspect too if heavily pregnant cows have to be slaughtered due to lack of land. Jim, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. ICMSA say upcoming review of nitrates regulations must give affected farmers, quote, path to move forward. Speaking in advance of the latest review of the nitrates regulations, the president of the ICMSA said it's of critical importance that a path is afforded those farmers affected by the reduction to 220 kgn to move forward and try and preserve some degree of viability. Mr. Papa Cormac, President, ICMSA said this could only be done by a proactive focus on those areas where movement was possible on Ireland's part and where what he termed, quote, practical recognition of both the problems and solutions was made into policy. Mr. McCormack said the aim now had to be putting positive options in front of those farmers who had been so fundamentally undermined by what he described as, quote, the incompetent and half-hearted defence of our national derogation. Pat McCormack, noting that Minister McConnell had repeatedly said Ireland will seek the maximum flexibilities for farmers, the ICPSA president observed we are only 12 weeks before the new regulations take effect and it was time to move on to those areas where Irish decisions could have practical benefits and give the farmers the path forward they needed. Just a small part of an extensive statement from the ICPSA president, Mr Pat McCormack. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Barry Murphy, Deputy News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Barry, welcome to the programme. Now, a surprising development there in the journal is pointed out. There's low interest in new farm apprenticeships, but I understood that many younger people wanted to get into farming, and indeed it stands to reason that the entry, the continual entry of new younger educated farmers would be vital for the future of agriculture. What's the actual background to that headline, low interest in new farmer partnerships in the Irish Farmers Journal, Saturday, 7th of October, 2023? Yeah, no, it's an interesting one, John. Look, thank you for having us. Um, Low interest in new farmer apprenticeships, um, we report this week, and these apprenticeships were launched back in August. I suppose they they were touted, or they were first brought up a few months back by Minister for higher education, Simon Harrison, he formally launched them then in August with the funding to back them. They would, were to be implemented and rolled out by Togish um, with support from the Department of Agriculture. And it's a really interesting one to see, given that it, there was such a big song and dance made about them. And I suppose you could say that Minister Harris might have jumped the gun a small bit in that there has been low interest now. So the apprenticeships were supposed to kick off in September. You have a farm technician apprenticeship and a farm manager apprenticeship and um, they involve the, the apprentice uh, partaking in classes and lectures in Togish but also then being out on farms and um, so it's kind of a, a matchmaking exercise where a farmer who yes was looking for a little bit of help on farm but also can offer an educational aspect to the, the apprentice will be matched up with an interested student um, but they haven't taken off there's only two students who have applied to each of them so four in total um, and they are now looking like they may not commence until before Christmas. The horticulture apprenticeship program, that's only slightly better, I understand. Yeah, only only six uh, students applied for the horticulture. And again, 
horticulture sector and government policy here would be saying that we need to, you know, be growing more of our own fruit and vegetables in Ireland. Um, and you made the point, you know, about young farmers in agriculture. This is all you, what you would hope would not be reflective of um, maybe the, the, the willingness for young people to get involved. Um, it seems like there's a few kind of technical issues holding it back. Um, it's a chicken and egg situation as Togish head of education Dr. Amory Butler described, you know, where they have more farmers now interested in taking on apprentices than, than there are apprentices available. Um, she, you know, and it's also understood that um, from our perspective, just from speaking to a number of people in Togish involved in, in the process, that there's a few staffing issues ongoing where the Department of Agriculture is holding kind of a, a staffing limit on the state body saying, you know, you may use your current staff to, use, to teach these apprentices or to roll out these apprenticeships. Um, and that's proven both impractical and unpopular from our understanding. So it's interesting, and I suppose you could say disappointing to see in that um, they were, you know, so applauded and welcomed by the sector with very, very low interest to date. Um, and, you know, given that the academic year has started now, there's a lot of students who have gone into, say, the traditional agricultural programmes in Hawkish Kildalton, in Gartin and so on, and say into you know the third level education opportunities in the universities that they might now be unlikely to say actually I want to do an apprenticeship instead. So maybe one for for September intake next year, but um, at the moment it doesn't seem to be a huge appetite. One reason for some doubt being expressed by younger people in your journal, you point out that while the apprentices will be out of sync with the traditional academic year, they'll be working on farms through next summer, they will catch up quickly. But that might be something putting a bit of a question mark, making it rather awkward for younger people. Yeah, you could say that. I know they, they might be confused now. and I think there's a lot of, you know, the, the broad understanding is that any course or programme generally starts in September and then you finish up in kind of May. That's where the academic year runs. So these will be out of sync starting out anyway um, with them. They may catch up though throughout the course of the year. So look, there's more information available online um, you know, via the Togish website um, plenty of information about the apprenticeship programmes. And again, Dr. Amory Butler encouraged all those interested to still apply um, that there are ways for other students to get to, to express their interest and, and the, the programmes will be operated and run from there. Looking at agriculture and wishing the future of agriculture all the very best and hoping that younger people going in there are well-educated, well-rounded in all aspects of education, not just specifically their own branch of agriculture, it would appear this is a wonderful opportunity and really it's a shame to an outsider not in that age bracket it seems a shame that there would be such low interest in new farming programs and new farming apprenticeships because that's really the key to a profitable career in agriculture. There's a, you know, a shortage of labour on farm. For people to get a worthwhile job on a farm, they should have education in farming in their own branch of that sector, agriculture. Yeah, very much so, uh, John. You know, this is the... the the farm sector and, and farmers are becoming more and more educated the whole time. They're now a well-educated workforce for the most part. Um, so they're both educated in the practicalities and the science of farming. Um, more and more students coming from are participating in, in higher and third-level education in agriculture every year. Uh, but I think that's something that's maybe not um, not understood or oftentimes the sector might not be given the credit for that. Um, do you know that we hear people talking about the science of the climate and emissions and all that. Farmers get that better than anyone else. They're living it day to day and they, they've studied, in, in a lot of cases, they've studied the science as well. So, um, yeah, as you said, education key to, to getting 
uh, you know, for getting young people involved in the sector. And you would hope that you know these apprenticeships will kick off in, in you know, at a greater speed, and that more will get involved. How would people find out more? Presumably, I suppose, to approach the Chagask website and search there, follow the links on to farm apprenticeship programmes. Yes, they're there available on the Togish um, uh, website, information about them um, and the two programmes, as I said, the farm manager and the farm technician course um, and horticulture and sports turf management. There's four apprenticeships there available being operated by Togish. Um, and look, they'd be happy to speak over the phone to anyone as well. Uh, if they are interested, and there's a kind of a system in place um, on the where you know the student has to get matched with a with a suitable farmer. Every aspect of agriculture connected with meat might, in fact, be very worried about the trend towards pushing, really pushing very hard the whole concept of plant-based food. Now, in the journal, the journal that Saturday, seventh of October. 2023 on page 30 news you have a very concise article there reviewing progress so far to date by the plant-based industry in substituting their product for meat or dairy yes um, i was at a conference this week on on tuesday in um, tongashashtown up in dublin they held a conference on kind of the future of irish uh, science consumers and Irish food and um, it looked in detail at I suppose, the progression of the plant-based food industry, the science, um, the, the, the innovation in the sector um, and I suppose the demand for protein-rich food into the into the future. It was Dr Linda Giblin of Talgish who was saying that the world's population is going to increase come 2050 up to about 9.7 billion and that will equate to a demand increase of about 78% for foods that are rich in protein, be they meat or be they these plant-based alternative proteins. Um, but you're right. But you're right um, I had a piece there on this week's paper about um, the plant-based industry. And, and Dr. Aileen McLean, she's a director at Safe Food Ireland. She um, joined the panel, or one of the panels around the conference. And, you know, I suppose Safe Food, it says it in the title, you know, or in, in the name of the organisation. She was She's well-versed in food health and nutrition and, and a nutritionist herself. She was saying, you know, that the industry, the plant-based alternative food industry, has done a very poor job to date on nutrition and consumer education. Um, you know, she was saying that a lot of these plant-based protein alternatives are high in saturated fat and salt, and that about 25% of them don't actually provide any protein at all, despite consumers thinking that they do. Um, you know, so she was saying there's a lot of misunderstandings from the, the consumer there, and that they've been maybe led up the garden path a small bit. Um, you know, she was saying for milk, say the non-dairy alternatives. The likes of your oat milk, um, your coconut milk, and so on, um, or your, your your soy milk. You know they can be fortified with calcium, but there's no protein equivalency. Um, you know, so they're, 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 while the consumer might be drinking them and they're getting calcium like they would from traditional cow's milk, they're not getting the protein that would be in a cow's in cow's milk. Um, she said that you know. From that perspective, the plant-based alternative food sector has kind of dirtied its bib already, and you know maybe it's. Before more positive work can come through, um, and soon the consumers are really, really confused about it, um, and they don't know what sustainability means. So, interesting words from Dr. Aileen McLean at the conference. Anyway, John, that's a topic: plant-based uh, food substituting for dairy and meat. And I think, in France, to my knowledge, the French authorities have banned advertising hamburgers, sausages or other traditional meat products as plant-based. They can't advertise 
sausage-like or hamburger-like products based on plant. The science behind protein is quite interesting, and I actually found myself being educated there as well, John, at the conference on Tuesday in Tagerstash down, you know, um, the protein is made up of amino acids. There are 20 amino acids, and uh, humans need nine of them, and that the rest of the other 11 can be made up from those nine, but that the most important one for humans um, is lysine. And it was actually quite interesting to hear from Tagish, uh, the, the Dr. Linda Giblin, as I was saying, you know, she kind of outlines that um, lysine it comes in, in, in high, qua- high quality and high volume in milk and in meat, but not the same, say, in the protein in wheat, for example. So while you might be able to grow more volume of protein in a wheat field and using less water, if you look at just the lysine in the protein, which is where humans need more and need the most of, um, the, the, the milk production and the meat production is more efficient and more environmentally friendly. So it's really interesting to see that science, um, you know, and there's, there's more to, to it than meets the eye to a lot of these, I suppose, pro-health products, the, the oat milk and the, the, um, the, the soy milk. Well, thank you very much indeed for that very valuable information, Mr Barry Murphy, Deputy News Editor for Irish Farmers Journal. And although we won't go into it now, another article by your good self, Barry Murphy, in this week's Irish Farmers Journal, Saturday, 7th of October, 2023. Increasing dairy consumption can improve health in old age. So that's a very valuable and detailed mass study in Australia. But again, details in the journal. Barry, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Thank you. You're very welcome. Blackwater Valley Growers are a group of 15 Cork and Waterford-based chipping potato growers marketing their specialised produce through Meadow Fresh, based in Tallow in West Waterford. Over the last two years, these growers have increased production of chipping potatoes by 40%. In 2022, over 50,000 tonnes of chipping potatoes were brought into Ireland from the UK, but Blackwater Valley Growers plan to increase production over the next two years, replacing at least 15% of these imports to supply the local market. Mr John Geary, Managing Director of Meadow Fresh and also a member of the 15-strong Blackwater Valley Group of Cork and Waterford-based chipping potato growers who market their produce through Meadow Fresh, based in Tallow in West Waterford. Over the last two years, John points out, these growers have increased production of chipping potatoes by a mass of 40% thus reducing the figure of at least 50,000 tonnes of shipping potatoes imported into Ireland annually. In the next two years, they plan to reduce this 50,000 tonne figure by at least 15%. John Geary joins us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. Welcome to the programme, John. John, three years ago we were, um, we were approached by Board B and the Department of Agriculture to... Um, to just look at, we had some goals that were going, um, I'm involved with a company as well, um, Meadowfresh Foods, that we process chipping potatoes. So we were going potatoes already with a number of goals. So we we said we'd expand our acreage and look at um, uh, um, supplementing our growing chipping potatoes, basically. So I don't know, as you said, a lot of people aren't aware we import between sixty and 70,000 tonne of potatoes every year from the UK for our chip shops. So um, these are specific varieties that are suitable for chips, like a Mars Piper and Marquise. So we looked at it. We were growing these potatoes for our processing facilities, so we said, why not grow them as a substitute, an import substitute for for um, the UK imports? So, so basically, with the help of Board Beer, 
three years ago we set up a pilot project in the southeast where we um we started we brought in the seed and we started growing these potatoes with with our local growers. So we farm under the all the growers farm under the Blackwater Valley group and we have approximately this year we'll have around ten thousand ton of potatoes growing. So these potatoes will be either go for processing for fresh chips or the fresh chip market directly into chip shops. So the um currently it's it worked well. We've increased over the last three years we've increased our records every year so we hope to market um between what we'll process and what we'll into twenty five kilo bag we hope to market around ten thousand ton this year. In 2022, over 50,000 tonnes of shipping yeah. potatoes imported into this country. Yeah, that's right, John. Yeah, look, it would be, um, it would have been pushing 70,000 at one stage, but um, it would be, yeah, like traditionally, I suppose the East Coast of England, Cambridgeshire, and those places would be huge potato growers for the chip market. And I suppose they would have been imported into Ireland for the chip shop trade over the years but there's no reason what we when we looked at it from an economy point of view and from you know the soil types here it's very similar we can grow that product here we can grow those varieties here and i suppose the big thing is they can be grown but the storage facilities is critical you know to keep the the quality right so um this year now the department of agriculture have put some grant aid for farmers together to that they um they basically can put up these storage and handling facilities and automate it to, to, I suppose, to challenge the UK imports, you know, but it seems a shame that we will not corn these potatoes here in Ireland on a, big, in a, on a bigger scale. And a lot of people don't realise that recently we marked, just in recent days, we marked um, on Friday, October the 6th, as uh, Board Beer's National Potato Day. That's right, John. Yeah, I suppose, look, traditionally, Ireland, we would have been a potato-growing nation. And as you said, a lot of people haven't aware that we, you know, you go into your normal chip shops and a lot of people haven't aware. I know Bob Beer have done a, a survey there two years ago asking people were they aware that, we, you know, that they're eating imported potatoes. And, and 80% of the people weren't aware of this. So it's, it's, um, it's something that's board beer have got behind and they're promoting it and I suppose actively looking for extra acreage to be grown for chipping potatoes and it's a working progress you know it's something that will take a few years to get confidence in the Irish potato that it can do the same job as UK imported potato because like I suppose in fairness what comes in here is a good product so we, you know the, what what has been imported from the UK for these shipping potatoes, it is, a, it is a premium potato, so we have to match that with quality and we have to extend our, our supply period that we put up cold storage and, and storage facilities that we can harvest the potatoes, put them into storage and have a continuity of potatoes that we can supply 12 months a year. And like Board Beer have got behind this, plus the Department of Agriculture, and I think you know, it will take a few years for this to happen, but it's, it's work in progress. 
Now, John, if anyone's inspired by what you've done, if anyone's inspired by the efforts of your group of farmers to produce just the right type of uh, chips, if any farmer wants to inquire about joining your group, they want to play their part in reducing imports. I mean, import substitution, that's a key element in Ireland because we hear continually of carrots coming from tens of thousands of miles away, potatoes from Chile, etc. So... Do you invite people to inquire about joining your strict quality control group? Yes, we do, John. Yeah, I suppose currently we're we're looking at both individuals. I suppose we're looking for customers and we're looking for goals. But like we have with our current fifteen, sixteen goals, we we are increasing them. You know, I suppose traditionally we're looking for tillage goals that want to get involved in the potato industry, or we're looking for existing goals that will increase their acreage and I suppose we have set up with a number of goals in the group where they have a storage and a grading and automated robotized grading facilities so it's it'll be a combination of I suppose marketing the product I suppose growing them first making sure the from an economy an economist point of view we have a full-time agronomist with up between ourselves and O'Shea Farms that is developing these goals, showing them how to grow these particular varieties, and the next step then is is storage, which the Department of Agriculture this year have funded some extra storage facilities and give grant aid for building new storage facilities. And then the marketing of it, I suppose, with the help of board beer, and I suppose the big thing is convincing existing chip shops that the Irish potato can do exactly the same job as what they've been doing it but um, we have um, that's work in progress you know but we have taken on I suppose recently we took on a, a famous cock um, chip shop chain um, Dino's which um, are gone solely over to Irish potatoes and using and every potato they're using in their in their shops are, is grown within 30 kilometres of the of their shops so it's from a sustainable point of view and I suppose to eliminate imports it's you know it ticks a lot of boxes and it makes financial sense as well you know i'd say from a grower point of view i think it's it's an attractive cop to go and i suppose it's just to get the marketing every element of advice that it gets to the chip shop and the quality to produce an excellent chip i suppose is the key John, is there a website or a phone number? You, we can be we're available there on the website if anyone Googles meadowfreshfoods.com um, and there's a section just solely dedicated to um, to Irish chipping potatoes and what's involved. And I suppose what we have doing, we, we've created a number of brands. I suppose Blackwater Valley is the is the producer group that we're operating under. Cause I'm a grower myself as well, as well as being involved with Meadowfresh. But, and we have a number of different brands as well for different areas of the country that we, we want to market it. But uh, our website is, um, is www.meadowfreshfoods.com. So all information regarding our contact details and our, what we're doing and just traceability, as I said, and I suppose as, as providing a, an import substitute potato. So all the information would be available on, on our website. Yeah. Well, John, speaking there to Mr. John Geary, Managing Director of Meadow Fresh and also a member of the 15-strong Blackwater Valley group of farmers, 
every good luck with your import substitution because we feel it's a shame sometimes if we go to the shops and realise how many of those vegetables and flowers and things which we could grow ourselves are actually imported. So that's great news, John, and uh, every good luck with your substitution campaign to produce more chipping potatoes, which will be uh, gobbled up by Irish people but used by the chip shops in place of imported uh, produce. Thank you very much indeed, John. Thanks a Thank million. you very much, John. Next, we turn to ploughing. Mr. Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Welcome to the programme, Philip. You have details now of results from last weekend. That's fine, John. Thanks very much. Yeah, we have um, our own local match, Tupper House, last Sunday, October the 1st, on the lands of Coleman, Cronin and family, which we are deeply indebted to, because Coleman has been extremely supportive of us and a lot of local events so we thank him and we appreciate his offering us the land year after year and also the Limehouse which is our main sponsor for the last couple of years so thanks again to the landowners for giving the land to all the plowmen these are the results from last Sunday John the senior first Michael Hannon under 21 first William Moroney and second Billy O'Connell the farmer is first Orla Hayes. The novice, first Aidan O'Callaghan. And Aidan is a newcomer. It was his first day out. So welcome, Aidan, and keep it up. Uh, it's all about practice. So we hope to see you in the future, Aidan. The two for a vintage mounted. First, Phelan Cother. Second, Tambo Zang. And third, Johnny White. The single for a vintage. First, Trevor Fleming. The three for a match. First, Matthew Coakley, and second, Jim Barris. And those are the results, John, from uh, October House on October the 1st. Now, tomorrow, October the 8th, Kilbrain are holding their annual plum match on the land, the uh, lands by kind permission. The same field as last year, So, and they'll be hoping to start at 11.30 sharp. Anybody interested in plum there should try and get their entries to Willie Stokes, at 087-267-2910. That's 087-267-2910 by this evening, Saturday evening, by 6pm if at all possible. So that's Kilbrain tomorrow the 8th on the lands of Patrick Heron by kind permission. And the same field as last year, most plowmen will know where it is. So that's it, John. We hope to be back with the results and this time next week. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Thank you, Philip. Thanks, John. Coming up next, all of the Macron Firma news from the Carberry region with Laura Woods. Laura, welcome to the programme and your fortnightly Macron Firma Carberry region report. Hello, my name is Laura and I am bringing you the Carberry Macron news. It has been a very social fortnight in Carberry Mokra, with members travelling to Athlone for officer training and the Volunteer and Leadership Awards Banquet. Congratulations to Kate O'Donovan from Balanskarty Mokra on winning the Munster Volunteer of the Year Award. A great achievement and I think everyone in Carberry Mokra would agree that Kate is a worthy recipient. Carberry Mokra members joined with Mokra members from clubs all over Cork on a Mokra boat tour and night out in Cork recently. 
Members also enjoyed nights out closer to home when they attended the IEOL Festival and Clonakilty Mochra hosted an entertainment night in Rossmore Theatre to celebrate the club's 75th anniversary. Thanks to everyone who attended on the night and we hope you all enjoyed it. So as you can see, Carberry Mochra has something for everyone and are always looking for new members. There is clubs located from Inishannon to Beira, so if you are between the ages of 17 and 35 and would like to join, have any questions or would like some more information, please contact us through our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. And that was our fortnightly update from the Macron Infirmary Carberry region. Laura Woods reporting. Joining us on the farm programme, we have Ms. Kira O'Donovan, Tillage Advisor, Chagas, Knock Griffin in Middleton in County Cork. First of all, Kira, welcome to the programme. Now, before we start our main conversation, looking at the harvest, etc., and some key management points, any forthcoming events? Yes, John, um, we have some information nights on the new forestry planting programme coming up. Um, on these nights, we'll be covering grants and premiums available to new to landowners, new rules and regulations for the scheme and we'll also be joined by a member of the Department of Agriculture to on the night to answer questions and this is being organised by our new forestry officer, Padre Leary, and the events will be held in the Chagask offices uh, of McCroom on Tuesday 10th of October at 7.30 and the same starting time will be for the next event in the Mallow Chagask office Thursday 12th of October and the Chagask office Killarney on Wednesday the 18th of October at 7.30pm. And one more event to let your listeners know it might be of interest. The Dairy Gold Chagask joint programme will be holding a signpost farm walk on the farm of Jimmy Cotter um, near Coachford. And there's details of that event. That's on Thursday the 12th of October at 11am. And they'll be discussing current farm performance implications of nitrates regulations and managing uh, the farm in a lower chemical nitrogen environment and there's more details of air code and things like that on our website no registration required um, everyone is welcome but now we get into our main body of our chat how did the harvest 2023 go this year bearing in mind the very mixed weather and the rain and all these extremes so in a nutshell how did the harvest go this year in general, Kira? Yeah, so it's it's been an extraordinarily difficult season. I mean, probably starting back from this time last year, like twelve months ago, uh, we had a very wet autumn going into a you know a very wet planting normal planting time came very wet. So the whole year for tillage farmers and my main clientele are tillage farmers, and it's been a real struggle. And uh, the harvest, I suppose. The early part of the harvest was quite good. I mean, crops did have good potential in terms of yield, but unfortunately, with the absolutely relentless wet weather and going from wet to dry to wet to dry, that yields did deteriorate over time and quality in terms of just breakdown, like grains and ears dropping onto the ground and, and reductions in quality due to the wet weather as well, like the weight had gone out of the grain straw like winter barley for example harvested there at the end of July you know that straw in a lot of cases was probably down on the ground for for 12 to 14 weeks if not longer so yields of straw are way back and and that has ha, is having significant uh, having a significant effect on 
on tillage farmers' incomes. I mean, their sales will be will be down in terms of straw and in grain. But like we'll say, the winter barley, I suppose, started out pretty. It was okay. It's, it's certainly I wouldn't call it a bumper year for harvest, but you know, it probably struggled to reach four ton per acre in a lot of cases. Um, kind of talking about the winter wheat, it wasn't a bumper year either, but. It, probably was acceptable where people were able to harvest it on time and it wasn't too broken down. The main crop to talk about really, look, is the spring barley would be the most common crop. Look, starting it, you know, we'd actually, surprisingly, given the weather conditions, surprisingly good yields at the start. A lot of people achieving three tonnes per acre and above of nice quality barley. But unfortunately, as as time went on, quality and and yields dropping back to two and a half tonnes and Lester, and would you believe it? There is still fields of spring barley out there that have not been harvested, and it's a real salvage job out there at the moment. Um, that's that's a real um, unfortunate side of it. And a lot of barley, maybe malting barley, would have you know failed quality tests in terms of moisture and KPH this year because of just simply because of the weather and the, the varieties probably were a bit, had weaknesses exposed due to the weather. But and just one more comment on how the harvest went. Um, in terms of beans, they probably were a big success in my area, anyway, around East Cork. I think um, they seem to be t- to yield quite well this year. Two and a half to three tonnes per acre wasn't actually that uncommon. Um, now, you had lots of yields of beans down at two tonnes per acre, but with that decent yield of four beans, low and relatively low inputs, of, obviously there's no chemical nitrogen needed, but um, with the protein aid on top of it, it actually could be the most profitable crop crop on some farms this year so that's sort of a roundup of how the harvest went um, this year John. Thank you very much indeed Ms Kira O'Donovan, tillage advisor Chagas, North Griffin, Middleson in County Cork. Thank you Kira very much indeed thanks a million. Thanks John. And uh, that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor thanks for listening. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.